Recently, I mentioned here on this show and also on social LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue and Adam Connor, if you're not following, go follow, that I want to explore the world of influencers more right here on this podcast. If you haven't yet tuned in to the first episode of the result of that, I encourage you to listen to our interview with Alex Mack from Dyson, which was published on November the 16th. But today, I go a bit deeper into something Alex said, which is that there was a lot of noise in the world of influencer tech. Well, I've got one of the pioneers of influencer tech with us today, and we're going to talk all about it on this Authentic Avenue. Four, an ambassador marketing platform, also dubbed the first influencer marketing platform in the world, or at least that's what its founder would tell you. Today, you'll meet James Nord, its founder, who also calls it the finest influencer marketing company on God's green earth. But that earth, in his mind, is changing and changing to the world of ambassadors. And ambassador marketing looks a little bit different than the traditional influencer marketing we're all used to. And James comes with receipts. We also talk about the 10 rules that he's laid out as to how to do it right. As somebody who comes from the world of social content creation himself, James knows a thing or two about influencer noise. And so hopefully you learn right along with me today as we dive into that. So sit back, relax, and polish your Instagram profile as I get real with Four and James Nord. As I dive personally more into the world of influencers, I gotta learn more about the tech side because I've figured out a little bit about the public figures, about the brands that make their dreams come true, and now I need to know about the bridge. I got James Nord here, the founder of Four, to help me learn about that a little bit. James, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm totally excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk today. I'm excited to learn. And the first thing I got to ask is as the founder of the first influencer marketing platform in the world, I want to know how you knew it was first, by the way, and also self-proclaimed as quite simply the finest influencer marketing company on God's green earth. I'm taking that from your LinkedIn here. Um, <laughs> what gave you the idea for this? I mean, I'm, I'm looking here. It says you uh, founded this around around 2012. That was pretty much yes. at the beginning of the influencer craze. So was it just a, a recognition of the trend or what, what, what inspired you here? Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of stories, mine's pretty personal. And uh, I had found myself with one of the larger Tumblr followings uh, on that platform and, and thus in the world in, you know, 2008, 2009, I was, I was, you know, walking around New York City with my camera um, and, you know, just kind of sharing my life on Tumblr and, and the internet was a much smaller place then. So are and, you an influencer basically? Is that where <laughs> this is coming from? I mean, you're like I an early that- blogger. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, we were, I was like an early, you know, I guess, I guess we would call it an influencer now. Then we were just like, oh, I have a Tumblr. Um, But yeah, I was just going around taking pictures and, 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 uh, you know, writing about and and documenting living in New York and, and got on some like recommended users to follow list and, and ended up building this following. And, you know, it was through having, a following on Tumblr myself and, and through my desire to want to work with brands and me thinking that, you know, this could be a really interesting way for brands to talk to their customers uh, that I eventually came to the idea of, of starting for. Got it. Okay. So you have a Tumblr following, you decide, well, I need to, uh, it's, 
this world is going to become more than just people who say, oh, I have a Tumblr. I mean, these days, I mean, you would equate that to somebody saying, oh, I have a TikTok. Oh, I have an Instagram. Oh, I have a YouTube. But it is much more than that. A whole lot more structure in this industry these days and a whole lot more money as well as that big I word has come to dominate the way in which many brands and many people speak to other people. But you're supportive of a paradigm shift here from that world of influencers to the world of ambassadors. I've heard this a a, a handful of times, not too many on any podcast that I've done. Um, Can you elaborate a little bit on this? I understand it has to do with your perspective on the advertising world over time, but I want to hear this from you because is it more ambassador marketing platform these days? Because I started out by saying you were the first influencer marketing platform, but it seems like you might want to change the term. I think as the industry has grown, we looked around, uh, you know, a year ago and said, you know, is that a, is that the best way to describe what we do, and 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 how can we better explain to our clients and the and the you know the community and, and industry at large how we approach these things? I think for us, it's it's about going back to what makes this space so great. Um, you know, when I had a following way back in the day. There was no money, and you know, you, nobody nobody was making money. There was there was brands weren't paying people. It was very much um, just a kind of weird hobby that people had. And and I started to be able to, you know, to interact with brands and work with them. Not for again, not for any money at the time, um, but it, you know what people were sharing when there was no money. What people were sharing were the things that they really cared about, the brands that they really loved, um, you know. A, a book that they read that they loved, uh, you know, an experience that they they had that they think people should, a movie they saw, whatever it is, it was it was all just completely organic. You know, these are the things that I'm interested in, and you follow me, and thus maybe you are interested in them too. And as you know, first millions, then hundreds of millions, and then billions of dollars kind of came into the space. It changes the nature of you know, the kinds of things that influencers are talking about. And all of a sudden you have influencers talking about products and supporting products that you know full well they never use, they don't care about, um, and they don't believe what they're saying. And and that just didn't feel like the kind of advertising and the kind of work that we wanted to do, um, which is essentially just, you know, lying. Um, and we wanted to go back to, to, you know, how it used to be. We want to to work with people that, you know, really did care about the brands that they were talking about, that did, you know, believe the things that they were saying, um, because that's what, that's what makes the space so appealing and, and so effective is, is, you know, to, to use a, 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 you know, overly used word is that that is authenticity. You know, if you think about that word, which I know is, is part of what this podcast is called, um, it's, that's, you know, it, what is authenticity? It's, it's a lot of it is honesty, right? And, uh, and when money came into the space, I felt like we lost some of that honesty. And so our shift to ambassador marketing is a, you know, an effort to try and regain that, that trust and, and that honesty and that the relationship those influencers have with their audience. Well, it's interesting that you say that this, um, is part of a desire to get back to the way that it was. Speaking as somebody who did not really witness the world of influencers until mm, a little after you founded for probably 2013, 2014 is when I first really started to notice it. 
And I'm not sure when the money really started flowing in, but it's because I was watching a lot of YouTube at that time. Anyway, I never really saw a time where I looked at a post or a video or whatever like this, where I truly believe that, oh, they, they did this brand deal because they really love the brand. Like I, I, to me, it was always about, oh, they're doing this brand deal because they just got a bag. Great. Um, and unless I had watched that person for a long time and I knew that they had talked about how much they, whatever, like their gaming controller or their, uh, their Postmates service, you know, I, I had never, I always just assumed it was chasing money, but that's because I came into it more on the upswing of the trend. So I guess I always saw, and the reason, I, I promise I have a reason I'm saying all this, I, I've often seen influencers, that, that quoted word, um, as like an online celebrity. Mm-hmm. I know when we, we've talked before, you've mentioned that celebs are sort of like the worst type of endorsement there is. Um, yes. I've seen brands do that more though recently. And, and whether that's in combination with influencers or, or, or not, I guess online and offline celebrities, I guess all celebrities are online in some way. Why do you perceive or do you perceive that some brands are headed back to that? And how does it resolve with your personal belief that celebs are the worst type of endorsement a brand could be doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit. So yeah. first of all, you can like at this point in the space, when a when an influencer posts a sponsored post, their audience knows they're getting paid. And if they have a big following, they know they're getting paid. That doesn't mean that, you know, what we're trying to do is not, you know, is not hide the fact that this is an ad, but is is to when you're done consuming that ad, that you actually believe what the person said, right? And so, yes, of course, they are doing the deal for money. Um, you know, this is their job. But after you've, you know, let's say you're watching yeah, a YouTube and it's a gamer and they're talking about a new controller. After you watch them review that controller, even though they got paid to do it, do you, like, do you believe what they're saying? And are you persuaded to, you know, consider purchasing that? And, and that's, you know, that's what we're after is, is, is not hiding the fact that we got paid, but making sure that the post is, you know, doing its job to, to tell the audience about this product in a way that makes them feel like, okay, maybe I'll consider purchasing that. And the reason that, you know, the, the reason I don't think celeb endorsements work oftentimes, um, Sometimes they can be wildly successful because celebrities, you know, do have uh, sway over people, uh, certain ones especially, is when, you know, the endorsement just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, when they take, you know, when they take a, a actor or an actress, you know, or, or just random famous person and, and put them uh, with a brand and it doesn't make, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like obviously the like Matthew McConaughey Lincoln example gets brought up often um, as something that just like doesn't, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And you watch those ads and you don't, you know, you don't believe it. Um, you don't believe that like, yeah, you know, is Michael Jordan going to McDonald's? Like, you know, for me, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And you see the way brands are doing celebrity endorsements is different, right? You see Travis Scott and McDonald's doing a collaboration on a meal you know, that's very different than LeBron James holding a, you know, a Big Mac saying, you know, before every game, I like to eat a Big Mac. Yeah, right. Um, nobody would believe that. Nobody would believe that. But that's what celebrity endorsement used to be. 
you know, it was that it was, you know, um, it was taking a product and saying a celebrity used it when you knew there was no chance that they didn't. And, and so I think what we're always trying to find is, you know, or find those individuals who have a platform and an audience who have a story, um, that can help us show what makes our brands great. Uh, A quick example is, is, you know, we do a lot of work with Headspace. And so when we start looking for influencers to put onto those ambassador campaigns for Headspace, we look for people who are already talking about anxiety, you know, and, and who are, have already talked to their audience about the fact that they are battling anxiety and dealing with it. And so now we can say, Hey, we saw that you were talking about being anxious. We would love for you to try Headspace for three months and take your audience through that journey um, in trying to use meditation to manage your anxiety. Now, when when that influencer announces that they're they're you know working with Headspace, they can say, "Y'all know that I've been struggling with anxiety recently, and that's why I'm so excited to to try and use Headspace and meditation to handle that anxiety." And that that creates you know, it's that story uh, that that makes the audience believe it because it's not kind of it's not coming out of nowhere um, because the the context has already been set and makes sense for that collaboration. Does that make does that make sense? It does, and that would be closer in my mind to when an influencer or an ambassador is acting authentically when they've already said prior that they are either dealing with something that the brand or product or service solves or that they've already expressed themselves as a fan of the brand or product yep. or service that is then coming in to sponsor content of theirs. To me, that strikes as a little different than somebody with a big following an influencer these days who, when they post something, you know that they've been paid, but if it makes you feel a certain way, then it's still effective. Well, it might be effective to me, but it, doesn't, it still doesn't ring true or like authentic to me. I just know that, okay, I'm going to consider the product. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person is eating the proverbial Big Mac. It just means that I'm more inclined to look at the Big Mac. Right. You know what I mean? And remember, right. I mean, look, I mean, advertising is a, you know, is a, is a, is, is certainly a complex beast. And, and, you know, we look at the, the influencer community and we, you know, it's important to know that there's a difference between having an audience and having influence. Right. And so two accounts with a hundred thousand followers each, it doesn't mean that, each of those, you know, accounts, each of those influencers have actual influence over that audience. A, a perfect example is like, um, there are a lot of very beautiful women and very attractive men on the internet who have a huge following, um, who are not, you know, wearing a lot of clothing in their photos. Um, and the engagement rates are amazing you know they've they they've got a great following they've got a lot of great engagement but do they does the audience listen to them you know maybe for fitness tips maybe if they're talking about their diet um but maybe not if they're talking about you know uh home goods or you know kitchen appliances or you know any number of other things um and so it's just making sure to ask yourself, like, do I think that this person has influence over that audience or do they just have an audience? Do they just have a bunch of people watching them who are interested in their lives in some way or, 
or maybe they really like the photos that they take. It doesn't mean that they, they feel like they have a relationship with that person. It doesn't mean that when that, you know, individual talks about something, they can create action. And there are some celebrities that have that relationship with their audience. You know, you look at Kim Kardashian, I would say, who, who absolutely is not an influencer. She is a celebrity, but she has a influencer-like relationship with her audience. And they really listen to her and trust her. And, and, and she speaks to them as if they're a community. Whereas you see a lot of other, um, you know, a lot of other big celebrity accounts that don't have that engagement because it's, it's more, I'm posting here about my life. You can watch it, but this isn't interactive. We're not like in this together. You've clearly got a grasp of this beast um, because different messages can do different things for you. And it means different things coming from different people. I think you have so much structure here that you've actually laid it out. And I want to pry a little bit. I mm-hmm. saw this first a couple of months ago, at least according to your post online, to say that you've got 10 rules that you're following um, to do it right, so to speak. I wonder if you could share a few of those with me as you are leading the team at Ford. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we came out when we, when we switched from influencer to ambassador marketing, we, we laid out these 10 rules that we felt had been guiding the way that we operate uh, on behalf of our clients. And, and a big first one was we don't do campaigns that are single post. Um, that if you really are saying, hey, I support this brand, um, then that should be a big part of your life. Uh, an example I can use of a client who we've worked with for years is Ollie. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. They're like gummy vitamins. Mm. Um, and Ollie makes, the, for, for me, the best melatonin in the world. It's the only melatonin that, for me, doesn't give me like the crazy, weird melatonin dreams. Um, and it's also like a delicious gummy bear essentially that you get to eat before you go to sleep. Um, and you know, I've been taking this melatonin for years and whenever I post about it, people, you know, buy it and then tell me a month later, they love it. It's amazing. And so like, if I'm an influencer on that campaign and I say, look, this is the best melatonin I've ever used, then it wouldn't make sense for me to never talk about it again. Right. And so we need to make sure that in the campaigns that we run, that it's not transactional and we make sure we're weaving that product into an influencer's life. There's, you know, let's, let's go back and talk about authenticity again. Um, again, the namesake of, of your show here. It, it, an influencer has a, you know, a kind of set amount of credibility and that credibility can get chipped away by the things that they do. Um, and it can get to a place where the audience you know, overwhelmingly stops believing them. Um, and, you know, an example of this is like, if you've ever seen an influencer say, hey, I, I love this product. Let's say it's a coffee machine. This actually happened uh, to a client of ours. It's, it's a coffee machine. Um, this, let's say you pay an influencer to talk about this coffee machine. They tell you this is the best machine I've ever used. I love it. Here's all the reasons you should buy it. And then two weeks later, you see a different machine in their kitchen and you say, wait, what about the one that you told me last week was your favorite coffee machine and the one that you told me I should spend my money on? Why isn't it in your kitchen anymore? Yeah, worse yet if you've actually gone and bought it. Right. Like, exactly. Like, so, so it, 
you didn't think it was that good, actually, because you, the second the campaign was over, you threw it in the trash or gave it to your assistant and used another machine, right? And so that, that can chip away at that authenticity, and it's why we don't do single post campaigns. Uh, another example is we make sure that the influencer uses the product. You know, that if you've worked in advertising, you understand how, you know, how in-depth the briefing process can be. And it's gotten to a point where an influencer doesn't have to use the product to create a on-brief post for the brand, right? The, the briefs are so involved and they're so um, descriptive that the influencer, you know, again, just doesn't have to use the product at all. But for us, that's where the, that's where the story comes out, right? Again, let's go back to the Ollie example. One of the things that I've always struggled with with melatonin is the night I get that gives me nightmares. It gives me really like any melatonin I've taken has given me these really vivid nightmares. For some reason, the Ollie melatonin doesn't. That isn't something they advertise. But for me, that was my experience. And when I tell people about it who take melatonin, they also have that, you know, experience of having those weird dreams. And, and I, I say, look, well, for me, this, this hasn't given me those dreams. And that convinces them to buy it. But if, you know, if I hadn't used the product for weeks, I wouldn't have that story. Ollie would probably say, hey, can you talk about how it's all natural, how not only does it use melatonin, but it's got chamomile in it and all these other things. But all of the things that might be in the brief aren't the actual point that's going to persuade people. It has to come from a story. And the only way we can get a story is if the influencer uses the product. And so we will, you know, we will sometimes have to, you know, delay a campaign because we haven't had enough time to have the influencers actually use the product enough to be able to have a, a real story to tell uh, about that brand. Well, I was going to ask if I'm looking for all these 10 rules, can I find them somewhere? Because uh, if I'm like an up and coming influencer or somebody looking to get, you know, learn more about this craft, I mean, where can I, you have them laid out somewhere? We absolutely do. If you go to our, uh, if you go to four.co slash ambassadors uh, and uh, on our, on our homepage, there's a download. You can download a PDF of all of the rules and examples of uh, people that we think have, have done a really good job. Um, and we kind of ex explain it all there. Got it. We'll have to check that out. Now I want to ask for a more specific example, because as I'm aware, um, and, and I'm going to ask about this before talking a little bit about what you're doing, your hope for the future and, and advice. Uh, you're responsible for the Sephora squad. Can you tell me about that? Correct. Yeah. So we've worked with Sephora for years and, you know, when we were pitching Sephora, um, it, it's a brand with, you know, an incredible amount of brand love. Um, and they had never done a large scale ambassador program before. And so, you know, our pitch to them was let's, let's make, let's build a, let's build a, a landing page and let's make people apply to be able to get these contracts. They had a, they had a healthy budget. Um, we were going to work with 20 influencers. And, and so we, we created a, you know, the site sephorasquad.com and said, you know, if, if you want to become a Sephora ambassador, anybody can apply. Um, you just have to answer these questions and then go out to your audience and get testimonials. And we had over 20,000 people apply for 20, 20, spots. 20 spots. Jeez. 20 spots. Yeah. We had, uh, over 300,000 testimonials got left uh, for influencers. And 
you know, we ended up with a group of, you know, a group of influencers for this ambassador program that we would have never found if we just went out and did the search the the kind of traditional way. Um, incredible, you know, incredible stories and 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 incredible people who were maybe just not on, you know, were not on our radar. And and through the application process, we were able to kind of look beyond their feeds and understand a bit about them. And also, you know, these were people that they put themselves out there. They they publicly applied and told their audience, hey, you know, a big part of, of this application is is getting testimonials. And and I really would appreciate it if you left them. And there was you know, there were people who had thousands of testimonials from their audience. And, and for us, what, what truer, you know, what truer evidence of having an engaged audience than have, having thousands of people, you know, leave you beautiful, like messages about how, you know, that influencer had impacted their lives. Um, and it really changed the way we, f- we thought about the work that we are doing and, and started us down this path of ambassador. Hmm. And now that you are, uh, you know, making more things like the Sephora squad happen, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about your hope for the future of this world, because my guess is that that will be a, a, a turn, but it won't happen overnight from influencers to ambassadors. So uh, do you have a brief vision for what you see from maybe the short term future of the world? Yeah. And I also want to say, you know, for, for your listeners, you know, when we talk about influencer versus ambassador marketing, it's not that a we look at an influencer and say, oh, that's an influencer and that's an ambassador. It's it's the campaigns that we do. We want our influencers to be acting as brand ambassadors instead of, you know, paid endorsers. Um, and that's kind of the way that we see the difference. But as we look to the future, I mean, you know, we have this new product that we have kind of soft launched and that's uh, coming out in a bigger way in January. Um, it's called AMP. It's an ambassador management platform, but it starts with um, a, a a branded page uh, that allows influencers, customers, fans, whoever, to apply to work with a specific brand as an ambassador. And, and a big part of our vision is that you know in the next couple of years, every consumer brand in the world is going to have a place on their website where people can apply to work with them as ambassadors. You know, there's no brand, there's no consumer brand or, or otherwise that doesn't have a careers page, but there's, there's a new way to work with people, right? There's a new way to work for a brand as a ambassador. And there needs to be a, a kind of unified place uh, to collect those applications, to, you know, analyze the, applicants and then eventually to work with those people uh, in, in a kind of scaled way. And, and that is what, you know, what we're building and something that we're really excited about. So then I got a round out here asking for advice. And normally when I do these, I'm asking for advice on behalf of would-be brand builders, founders, mm-hmm. um, people who hope to become chief marketing officers someday, because that's most of the folks I have on the show. But this focus is a little different. So I think what I'd like to ask is, you know, if if that's ideally where we should be going and having folks who are more deeply engaged and genuinely using brands and you can see the, I forget what appliance we were talking about before, but in the background of their kitchen, 
mm-hmm. what would be your advice to those would-be influencers who want to portray that sort of authenticity and, and thus be a better candidate for working with brands, at least brands that you would also want to work with? Yeah. So influencers ask all the time, you know, oh, I'm trying to get started. What advice do you have? And it's, it's you know, in some ways very simple, in some ways really difficult. And I think that, you know, any influencer looking to build an audience, and this is true of a brand that's looking to build an audience, you know, you have to center your content around your followers and, and, and you have to really be in service of them. You know, every time we tell influencers, and this is true for our campaigns, that every single post needs to either inspire, entertain, or educate somebody. And, you know, if it's not doing that, then why are you putting it into the world? But if you're putting out content that is actually helping people, be that by, you know, a funny TikTok meme or a beauty tutorial or a photo shoot that, you know, makes you, you know, that's a bit of escapism, that, that's, that's romantic and beautiful. Whatever it is, if you're creating content that is, that is inspiring people, entertaining them or educating them, you will probably grow a following, you know, and it's, it's when, it's when influencers focus too much on me, you know, and think about making themselves look good or making their lives look interesting. Um, and they stop thinking about their followers. That's when you see people not performing. And that's what's wrong with so many to the brand marketers out there. That's what's wrong with so many brand social accounts is that's in service of the brand. It's not in service of the audience. And if every day you're just throwing bland Instagram posts of product at me, how is that, how is that helping me? How is that making my life better? Um, how is also that, that pulling me into the brand more? You know, it's, 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 it's not. It's just because you, you're trying to sell that product. I don't, I don't think that that's really interesting. And I think that, you know, over the, next couple of years as these social accounts and, and platforms get more crowded, it's, it's going to be hard for brands or influencers um, that are creating that really shallow um, self-serving content. Agreed. It will be very interesting to see where this all goes because it is still a, uh, it's a very early chapter in, in, in this whole world. And I know that you have seen several different ways in which advertising has come to light um, since, like, I guess, 50, 60 years ago. Um, though you're not 50, 60 years old, you just know about it. Um, and so to know that you've had a great expertise in this most recent chapter is, well, great learning for me. So if nothing else, I appreciate it. And I don't want to be just me-centric. I'll speak to the content and the audience now. To the audience, I hope that you learned a little bit more here. And... Um, Maybe set your own rules. Maybe use James's as a template. James, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Tell me a little bit more about the influencer world. Tell me about four. And so for all of that, really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the conversation, Adam. Thanks so much. It's been a privilege to learn more about this world so far, once from the brand side, once from the tech side. It's clear I've got a lot of learning to do, and I'm glad that I've had a taste of both sides for now. 
Thanks, James, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe or rate and review across platforms. If you do so on Apple, I'll read those right off the top of the show. And you can also connect with me socially, LinkedIn, as I mentioned at the top, Authentic Avenue, and Adam Connor. Follow me both places. And I'm also doing things a little bit more informally at Authentic Adam on TikTok, talking a little bit more about the show's day-to-day as well as the business I'm trying to put together. It's a fun little journey that I have an audience I'm building over there with. Of course, email Adam at Authentic Avenue media.com you got a suggestion send it on over to me and with that said this has been your host adam connor saying until i get real again with you thanks for taking a walk with me down authentic avenue